0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast, stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. So hi there, out there, this is Hugh Blue, and I have the honor today. Uh, I'm in Lynchburg, Virginia, where I live, and I'm speaking to a native I so, am yeah, made Lynch, of Burger. Burger. Uh, <laughs> yep. It's a mouthful for me. Trinay Tweety. Trine Tweedy.
1: Of course Kubaloo has <laughs> got its own
0: challenge. <laughs> well, thank the, you for being here. Thank you for having me as your as your yes. co-host, guest. Yes, and yes, and yes. yeah, we're
1: just we're talking. <laughs>
0: we're we're uh, this is a part of what we call the nonprofit exchange. We mm-hmm. talk to people out there in social benefit work that mm-hmm. might be working in government work, might be in education, might be running a community uh, for purpose organization. Mm-hmm. We uh, like Reframing Nonprofit for Purpose.
1: Uh,
0: And so this is actually a live interview, but it's also, also we are recording and transcribing, preparing for the next issue Mm -hmm. of Nonprofit Performance 360 Magazine, Mm -hmm. which is going to be about partnerships and collaborations. Mm -hmm. And I moved to Lynchburg 13 months ago And it's been a very welcoming (laughs) community. And what I noticed is that uh, unlike a lot of the places I've lived, Mm -hmm. people do work together in some communities, but here there's a whole community spirit of let's attack the issues that are holding us back. Now, back in history, before the Civil War, Lynchburg was one of the wealthiest cities in the country. We
1: were, yes. And, And we do understand our place in history. And so a lot of that uh, was because of industry, because of being located by the river and the tobacco industry and just many uh, areas of utilization of the river uh, alongside the city. So the city grew and, and families and businesses grew along with it.
0: And Lynchburg comes from John Lynch. Who it does the ferry. come
1: from John Lynch who uh, ran the ferry and the businesses back then utilized him. And uh, so he helped develop uh, Lynchburg. I know people don't understand that. <laughs> they often don't get where Lynchburg comes from, but it does come from the founder, John Lynch.
0: And it's it's a really great story, and there's a lot of good stories here. Our story today is about how um, leaders in, in this city, and it's the kind of right size city. It's big enough, but not too big. We got, what, 80-something thousand? Yeah, it's
1: about 80,000 residents, and uh, we're in a region of about 250,000 Lynchburg is the anchor city uh, with surrounding localities. But uh, we are a city of 80,000 strong, we like to say. Uh, Numbers are going up. Uh, But we're also a city that we feel is compassionate and caring and uh, innovative in how we think and work together. And so it wasn't difficult to say we have a problem. Uh, Previous leaders before myself um, looked at issues, tackled things as they came along, and they've always been community dialogue around issues so um, it was not unusual for us to look at our current issue um, which was our poverty rate uh, the high poverty rate that we had among families and children in, living in poverty and say we are just big enough to have the problem but we're just small enough to be able to do something about it and so that started the conversation amongst uh, the previous mayor and I Joan Foster mm-hmm. while we were on the campaign trail during my first run on the campaign Um, The poverty numbers came up Um, while we were talking about education and workforce uh, The actual percentage rates uh, when they hit you in the face that almost a quarter of your population Mm -hmm. lives under the poverty threshold Mm -hmm. We think of ourselves as being that former wealthy city a city of opportunity a city where um, You know you, You have church on every hill. We also have restaurants. We love to eat. We like economic development we have a thriving downtown, so what's going on that we still have a quarter, 24% or so of our residents who are living under that poverty threshold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then of that 24% is 29% uh, of those who are children that are living in that. And so once you, you get the numbers, you understand where we are, many cities, many people, we drive by poverty every day. And so do we actually have the Um, wherewithal or the gumption, I guess you say, to say, we're going to do something about this. We have a lot of faith communities, faith leaders, faith houses. Um, We think we have a strong education system. We know we have a a thriving economic um, system here and and development, Uh, but it's it's not getting to everyone. Everyone's not seeing that opportunity. So Um, That's when the city manager, uh, the mayor, previous mayor, Joan Foster, and I sat down and just said, we are going to commit to talking about poverty every two weeks during our meetings, uh, mayor, vice mayor meetings. Mm -hmm. We are going to look at how do we develop a plan of talking to nonprofits, to organizations. Where's the first step? We went looking for plans. We really didn't see that program, can program that you bring in and and Mm -hmm. this is what you do to Mm -hmm. fix your problem. It really had to be locally um, thought out, locally grown. Um, the communi- the communication, the conversation. We just knew we had to make it um, solely for Lynchburg and build it around Lynchburg.
0: That's wonderful. So this, this, um, you have a number. Of, I've attended two meetings recently. One was mm-hmm. Mayor Jones' last meeting, mm-hmm. yes. and there was a report from some grants that. That the city had given to different constituencies yes. and how they were working and how they were working together right. was quite impressive and then just a few weeks ago there was one with the faith leaders in
1: the community yes,
0: and um, how they're sharing things together mm-hmm. is another level of remarkable
1: mm-hmm. now
0: I, I often you, you break the mold the politician mold I think one of the definitions of a politician is somebody <laughs> makes half half the population mad at them <laughs> <laughs> I can
1: believe that.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's a standard definition, but that's my yeah. definition. So yeah. um um I experienced a lot of synergy and of course mm-hmm. we're both fond of the word synergy and as oh, yeah. a conductor that's this ensemble that right. we, we synergize together and I see synergy in a broader sense and the spirit mm-hmm. of what people are doing. Now it's fair to say we're we're recording this in um, October of twenty eighteen. They mm-hmm. might be listening to it years way that right. mm-hmm. we're not we're not uh, at perfection We're it's a work in process it is so let's jump to the future as as you and your colleagues who have done work on this the mm-hmm. uh, partners and 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 the city what do you all see in the future have you looked at a mm-hmm. future vision and it looks like this
1: uh yes it continues with the cooperation and the collaboration um you know we realized early on government cannot do it all and so we had to partner with our nonprofits. Um, while everyone has partnered always together in programming or events, um, this is how do we move our community into its best future. And so that's kind of shifting the idea of even organizations that have been doing great work. Um, someone said, I can't take credit for this, that we manage poverty very little. Well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, how do we move people out of it? How mm-hmm. do we um, affect the mindset and shift that thinking for families and individuals and so you really need the collective community, the nonprofit leaders, the volunteers, the um, education institutions to help work with all of that to sh- help shift the mindset and we have what i say, you know, everyone, you always want or need more resources, but mm-hmm. we already have dollars that are coming into our city. How are, how are they being utilized? How are they connecting to the issue at hand for us? Um, a lot of the same organizations are serving the same people. So when you mm-hmm. actually look at the mm-hmm. individual households and the families, they are the same folks who are maybe walking through different service buildings, different types of needs at different times, that are coming into play Um, and so really one catalyst for this work um, was our healthcare system and the Centra uh, system and so Centra Healthcare uh, realized early on that they were serving a small number of families in the emergency room Mm -hmm. uh, and it was costing a huge amount uh, you know Put me on the numbers, but maybe about 1,100 people or so was costing about $17 million in ER. And it still wasn't meeting the need of the crisis of that Mm -hmm. family or individual, the long-term care they needed. So they began to look at how can we um, spread out the medical services or the opportunities for people to have that more um, better relationship with the health care provider that gives them the ongoing um, assistance and management and so they developed the mobile medical clinics. They had researched <clears throat> of that number. Where, what are the, what's the specific street and block that they're coming from, mm-hmm. and what are the healthcare needs on that street? And and so that really began the conversation, in part probably, of people looking at our, our neighborhoods, our streets, our families, our homes, and um, the tying the census tract data to it. Um, So we know where folks and their households are and and so to be able to not affect that somehow with all of the data that's available, all of the technology, so Centra created the mobile medical units which went around um, to each of the neighborhoods and brought medical care to folks who couldn't access it, maybe our transportation system. What is a 10 minute car ride to get to a doctor appointment mm-hmm. for you or I? Mm-hmm. It might have taken them an hour and a half mm-hmm. to get on a bus and transfer. And so that just limits the mobility of folks to take their children, to take themselves. So that's all of that is what began the greater conversation of the types of committees we needed in addressing the poverty issue. Child care, uh, when folks somebody goes to work, do they have child care? Transportation system, how does our um, bus system work for getting people to the necessary appointments, but to a job um, that's on the outer part of the community, um, you know, close to not near downtown, but further out in our city. Um, how does that spoke and type of thing work? You know, do we have routes that are good for folks in the inner core of our city? Or are they spending two hours just to get around within a five mile radius? You know, what, what is that? And so we created those committees through the Poverty to Progress Initiative to galvanize the community to say, these are what we think we need to do in reducing the challenges and the barriers. Identified those, asked the community, whoever wanted to, college students were involved, um, seniors, youth, um, just what, whichever neighborhood you came from, work on a committee, talk about the challenges, Talk about what, if we had resources, how would we apply them? What are the greatest, and the community really identified um, what were the greatest challenges and how to begin to work on them. Um, People change, uh, that's a year of asking people to commit to need and that sort of thing. But um, what I'm very pleased with is that city council also um, agreed this is a challenge for our city. So a unanimous vote, (laughs) which, Happens, but maybe not all the time Uh in a a council Uh setting. Uh um, The unanimous vote came that we're going to one, uh, apply a position, half of a position, to work as uh, we call it the glue um, for this work. Uh, The connector, the uh, liaison between city government, the nonprofits, city government, citizens in this work. So they committed to half of uh, individual salary uh, that works in the city manager's office. And uh, also they committed to grant funds, very small, uh, up to $5,000 each, but tw- up to $25,000 to have as a, um, some people say putting skin in the game, but we mm-hmm. wanted people when, when, if someone has an idea to help our communities in our neighborhoods, whether it's uh, additional research that's needed, whether it's whatever type of funding source. Uh, We wanted them to be able to have the opportunity to apply for up to a $5,000 grant and then leverage that with either another nonprofit or another grant or other work that's going on in the community to make actionable goals actually become reality. So each committee uh, developed two actionable goals that they were going to work on during that year. You have a little bit of funding tied to it. Um, and then we've just seen some really great partnerships happen out of that. Um, because everyone, the biggest part of the work was breaking down the silos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> silos are a terrible word sometimes. And just getting people to talk about um, to each other. Sometimes entities that are responsible with federal dollars, state dollars come in. They never really talk. Everyone needs their own uh, system of data collection, their own outcomes. And so, but we're all still in one city. And so if you are responsible for human services work or social services work, and the city's appropriating funding, maybe there's another agency that's responsible for poverty reduction with federal dollars. But if we never kind of force the conversation and everyone to come to the table to say what are the handoffs, how can, uh, how can we're all serving the same families, how can we serve them differently. Mm-hmm. You may do this really well and have less, you know, funding. Oh, well, we have some money here that can be used, but we've never been able to do this work. And so it's getting people to come to the table, getting them to talk and saying, we are going to do this. Now, we may not have the plan already outlayed, so you have to really come to the table, conversation, know that there's not one answer already there. We are working toward the answers, but um, every day that we have conversation, every day that we create the expectation that this is for the betterment of our community. Um, one thing that we told the faith community, and I've said it in several meetings, is that if you set the tone that we are, we want this to be operating in a spirit of excellence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever ideas, whatever resources, we want to put our best foot forward, our best feet forward. We want it to, we want folks to have stellar service and, and stellar opportunities. Then we have to build it in that way. And so everyone comes with, yeah, we can't we, we can't do things mediocre mediocrity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like sometimes in the history long ago over time it was just easier to be kind of mediocre like Mm -hmm. we get to a certain level and then it's either too hard or we work a grant and then the funds are dried up so the work goes away but then there's still people that suffer through that and if you leave work half undone or Mm -hmm. you're not able to complete it or just continue it then you leave a a neighborhood. You leave folks who are, um, sometimes are left behind. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not been a focus that's been on that neighborhood, that street, Um, our students coming out of environments um, that are not healthy maybe for them. Um, So how do we, what do we do to work and make that better, improve? Um, Because it's all connected
0: imagine a large portion of your work as 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 mayor mm-hmm. um, I, I like to help I work with clients doing all kinds of things and all over the world mm-hmm. in reframing leadership as influence rather than authority I mean you you can leave from your mayor position right. of authority but what I've experienced is you you're in there as an influencer right. and you probably spend a lot of your time connecting and building relationships right. And what you just said before we started is you could pick something to delegate to the vice mayor.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: a project. I can't be. of it's me. Right. So who would do that? And right. that person stepped up, said right. they would do that. So a sign, a lot, many leaders think delegation is a sign of weakness. They should be doing it. Right. But you just, you've elevated yourself a few times in the short conversation. <laughs> One is, you know that delegation is a strength of leadership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You also understand that, that we can meet some common goals when we come to the table. Mm-hmm. So you're... Besides being an influencer, you're an encourager.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think sometimes people don't think of that.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I think it's important. We all have skills and talents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I recognize where I'm weak in certain areas, but I've learned over time. I've worked for private and public mm-hmm. um, organizations, I've worked for um, superintendents, worked for the public school division here. And I'm, I just, seeing the importance of building a great team mm-hmm. and having um, a deep bench, if you will. You know, it, It's great to have people that you know, they can go in and they get a vision, they understand it, um, they understand why we're doing something. But you trust people to be able to do their job. And Um, To say, you know, this outcome is a reflection of all of us. It's not just me. (laughs) It's not just work. And then, as a politician, my work, and as a politician, and that was what I appreciated about the previous mayor um, when she pulled me alongside as vice mayor. And and she had led conversations on dialogues on race and racism and healthy initiatives in our city. So, as far as being an organizer, understanding how to pull people together. I watched her do it over my couple of years, my first four years there. Um, Coming into political leadership, if you will, I had the benefit of having worked for the public school division, Um, sitting in on every school board meeting uh, for about eight, nine years, uh, sitting in on joint city council and school board retreats. I was the public information officer, so I watched how leadership engaged and interacted and talked to staff and built their teams over the years with various uh, city manager, different um, school superintendents. Mm -hmm. So building a team of folks that understand the work, understanding their roles, and allowing them to carry it out toward that mission or that vision, um, it just worked better and and when you respect people for what they bring to the table their background their experience um they are invested and and they know that you know they are a part of a group doing some great work and and so you just have to have the flexibility to have that freedom within yourself to say you know it's okay to let go a little bit You know, you always kind of watch and come back, and and you're available to talk to folks about what is it that questions, concerns, how is this shaping up, Mm -hmm. Um, are we seeing the outcome, are you seeing what you expected, if not, what do we need to do? Um, I think sometimes we're afraid to tweak the work, if you will, and that's important um, because there's no perfect solution out the gate, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's one thing about the From Poverty to Progress, we told Folks because you know media stories or this or that will say well this didn't go right or this you know like, well, what's what's where's the right and wrong like we're working towards something so we're local we're home growing this um, if you will mm-hmm. and so we can go back and reset we can look at and reevaluate and that's what we do um, with this process with the poverty to progress We just uh, merged with another group that was doing similar work, uh, more from the regulation policy side, the Mm -hmm. Bridges of Central Virginia. And, you know, it wasn't about who started first, who, you know, they were a regional focus. We were Lynchburg, what I call (laughs) Lynchburg-centric. So um, we were really focused on Lynchburg. And so once it became that Um, They were pretty primarily working with Lynchburg residents or on Lynchburg policy and regulation. Another locality had started looking at its own um, county and and, uh, area to see what they could do for themselves because they were rural, we were city. So um, we've merged the groups now, created collaborative leadership team that's getting ready to meet. And that's a part of taking that next work because the former mayor, she has become a citizen, volunteer extraordinary now, <laughs> tell her, um, if I leave, if other council members leave, it doesn't mean the work should stop. Absolutely. And so that's the thing. How do you build um, that layer, a group of people, that process that whoever's in the seat, this work will still be a focus because it's a part of our um, economic development, our eco-environment, if you will. We have to have successful families and individuals, and we can't leave a block or two or streets or, you know, multi-million dollar development downtown, and you go three blocks over, and the average income is less than twenty thousand dollars. Or I'm just throwing out a number, but it's just not good for the whole of the city. So,
0: and and we're we're pretty close to the dividing line, economic Mm -hmm. dividing line. Mm -hmm working with one of the churches at Court Street, it's mm-hmm. on Court Street, and it's mm-hmm. pretty much the dividing line. Yes. And they're very aware of that and how do they bridge both sides of the streets? Mm-hmm. There um there's a lot of stuff in there, a lot of lot of information that represents a very effective leadership. Mm-hmm. I just try to say away from good and bad, it's effective, it gets traction. You've developed a system so it's not Person, person, personality-centric. Right. Right. So many times, somebody builds a system around their personality. When mm-hmm. they go, it just crumbles. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of wisdom in that. There's a master plan mm-hmm. for the city of Lynchburg. There's been phases of it. Right. But as we moved in here in August a year ago, mm-hmm. now, streets were still being paved, <laughs> and and still have besides, a little bit of
1: work going. On. <laughs> but
0: it, even in that that time, mm-hmm. uh, it's there has been remarkable progress and there's a bunch of uh, unused buildings are now loft apartments, loft apartments and yes. we have a whole lot of uh, Millennials and business people and right. ordinary citizens and retired people living right. downtown it is. And we have lots of restaurants in the walking distance
1: we do and and again I wish I could say oh this was during my era of leadership but um, previous councils previous mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. administrations built a plan. They created that vision out in about 2001 or so is when that last uh, plan was adopted. And so um, with that adoption came the development of downtown. Downtown was a ghost town. And so Mm -hmm. they decided we are gonna have to help do something. You had um, your few developers who were the pioneers early on, they came in, they bought a building, they moved in, um, and they were a few here and there. And so council then came on board with developing a master plan, if you will. And so um, what you're seeing today is um, just the results of that plan and administrative teams sticking to that plan, uh, making the right decisions along the way, whether it was code enforcement or, you know, just infrastructure decisions on staffing and, and how to work with new developers coming into town. So we have approximately about 800 uh, new residents downtown who are living in the lofts. Um, and with that, when you put people into um, an area, wherever it is, um, they're gonna—it's gonna bring commercial development. It's gonna bring businesses. And so um, once and folks who live down there have needs, they want different you know opportunities, eateries, and that sort of thing. So I've really been encouraged, Uh, I was just reading an email today, our downtown Lunchburg Association, um, they they are really energetic and creating new vibes of where do we put, I believe they're calling pocket parks. And so, you know, when you go to larger cities, you may be able to eat downtown at a little park and lunch and have benches and that sort of thing. So people are really taking hold of what's happened and saying, God, we can just, we can add this. We can take this public space and make it into an art space. And so with the development also of business um, is coming our arts community. And so while we have um, new hotels downtown that have been renovated from um, hotels of the fifties that went through transition, it became um, housing. And in some uh, years, Section 8 housing, they were housing for college students or. A building with Section 8 housing. Um, Developers came in, have renovated, you know, wonderfully older hotels. So that creates new business, new folks staying in the mail. But also our arts, our academy of fine arts has uh, been renovated. It's currently, will open in December. And so um, historically for the city, that's important because uh, originally when the academy was in its heyday, persons of color had not go into the academy Mm -hmm. or they had to go through the separate entrance with the separate ticket taker sit way up in the top um Mm -hmm. and so uh, december will be the first show uh where we have all of our community able to walk through the front doors of a newly renovated academy downtown so we're excited about um, our new residents lofters living downtown the businesses that come behind it we have Um, global uh, businesses that have their corporate headquarters here in Lynchburg. And so uh, they have understood the investment of staying here with us and, and putting their main offices um, downtown. And so um, we have an entire city that's developing. We have um, probably for a city of our size, uh, we have about six colleges or universities um, that are located within our city and We kind of embrace Sweetbriar, which is one of the colleges and universities that's off in another locality about 10, 15 minutes away. Uh, But with so much education, with global companies and various industry sectors that are here with us, um, we know we have all the tools to make Lynchburg um, an even greater city in our future. It's how do you, how does it all connect? How does it all interact and engage? Um, How do our citizens become beneficiaries of all of that great building and development. And so you really have to sit down uh, with your key leaders in the city, mm-hmm. key faith leaders, education leaders. We meet with college presidents. Um, we have a great volunteer base of college students throughout our city and in different areas of neighborhood education, working with our parks and rec department. Um, and so how do you make it all work to, to create that great city? that people benefit from. And so that's that's that future vision, is not just that it's in my head, but that it's something that everyone embraces um, in order to put it into the planning of their future planning.
0: I'd like to, I work with business leaders as well as education mm-hmm. and, and um, some government, yes. and uh, um, we, we fail to think about the business model for what we're doing. we think we don't have a business model in government or in nonprofit or in church, Mm -hmm. when we really do. Mm -hmm. We we tend to gravitate for the the bad name businesses as greed, Mm -hmm. but but we're looking at the triple bottom line businesses that are social entrepreneurs, that are really creating Mm -hmm. goodwill for Mm -hmm. everyone. And I I see that um, you have that mindset. Mm -hmm. And as a leader from where you sit, I want to piggyback on what you, uh, go back to what you said in passing, about you wish you could claim the, the prize. You, you've got yours. This is like the relay in the Olympics. The first runner hands off the baton, it is, it and this is. is your your leg. And so you can you can get behind, or you get ahead, or you can. So you're part of this journey, as mm-hmm. a significant part. And you've been handed a really good baton, and they're in the lead. And now we're and also we're not competing against other cities. We're Correct. We're shining light on own. And, right. and there's nothing that compares to Lynchburg. We're our own shining light, exactly. and so I think t- people get in this. I have to be as good as them, or, or they they look at others and want to copy. Mm-hmm. So when you said there wasn't a model, mm-hmm. that's good yes. <laughs> because no model would fit here,
1: right? Right.
0: So there's unique challenges. One of them is this is called Hill City. Right. <laughs> you know, I've up the hill I'm coming here. <laughs> yeah
1: but how do you utilize that that's great exercise oh, super. You know, it's, it's, it's we super. have super steep hills for anyone who'd like to come um we, and a part of that is we have a great quality of life um it's affordable to live here so young families young folks can start by buying a home here they're not using up all of their discretionary income on housing um and and so we have those opportunities of um, walking by the James River or going kayaking Mm -hmm. or keeping our green spaces with great parks and trails here. Um, You know, when people decide to come and move and they bring with it new ideas, um, they bring new insight, you know, from their experiences. So new directors and and folks who take uh, key positions, um, just spreading information and communication about how people can become involved, how they can help with projects downtown or in other parts of our city Um, and and just the energy of Mm -hmm. um, working with businesses and differently because when businesses locate, um, what I hear repeatedly over and over is that they want their employees to have a great quality of life. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. the education system matters, the quality of life of a community, which are all of that, the parks and trails and the entertainment and um, the green spaces. And all of that matters. And so when you keep it focused, for me, um, this handoff of the baton, if you will, um, it's about the economic environment. It's about how do we integrate our neighborhoods and our folks who um, are living under the poverty threshold, how do we integrate them into that ecosystem for that economic opportunity? How do we shift folks' language and thinking about their everyday Um, spending habits and and wanting more to spend or wanting to be a part of home ownership. Um, What does all of this mean? And so um, that's why I think it's important for us to really work together, to really um, create an education opportunity as well as folks becoming involved. But because you have to try to help people cast a vision for themselves. And so businesses have that you know, they need a workforce, so we have to make sure that our citizens are trained in the credentials and the skills that entry-level jobs are requiring these days, Uh, because businesses can pick up and go anywhere that they find an environment that is good, you know, other people have rivers, other people have parks, (laughs) so what makes us unique is that um, workforce system that we create, giving people the soft skills giving people the training and credential skills in the industry sectors that are important to Lynchburg um, and, and that are thriving here, matching them with jobs. Because at the end of the day, we want people to have jobs and careers that pay them well in order for them to be contributors of the tax base, of our residents or neighborhoods through home ownership. And just a part of that American dream, if you will, you know, it's it's not a dream. It it can be reality. It is reality. And so we feel like with all of this work, we're creating pathways for people. Um, A a great, wise person once said in a class that I took, I can't take credit for this, uh, but we talk about the pipelines, um, the Mm -hmm. prison pipelines and all of that. But when you're in a pipe, it's hard to get out. You wow. either have one end wow. or the other. The wow. pipe is solid. And so if you create pathways for folks, they're able to get on and off. They're able mm-hmm. to take a detour. Mm-hmm. They may, but there's a way, a ramp on. And so that's why in, in meetings that we have, for me personally, I always talk about creating career pathways. I talk about creating life pathways, different options, because the way you and I enter that highway of life may not have been the same in our careers, but um, if you at least shine the light on this, this is the direction and how you get there, there are several ways, but at the end of that, it's gonna be a great you know, benefit to you as an individual or to your family or to your children. And so um, also telling our story. We, you know, Cities and, and other localities don't really tell the stories well. Uh, about um, what their city looks like. As far as, you know, we do marketing, we do branding campaigns, but what does it mean to be a burger? And and how do you feel when you walk down Main Street and you can talk to your neighbor or you're running up Monument Terrace and you see folks and, you know, they just, it's an engagement um, of being in a city of 80,000 that again, we're just big enough, but just small enough that I can pick up the phone, I can call our faith leaders. I can call our business CEOs and presidents. Um, they can, We can have town and gown meetings and invite them to the table. And they're talking to us about their challenges, and we're able to lay our challenges out there and our successes. And at each layer of leadership in the city, everyone's willing to sit down at the table.
0: That's a key component. And I'm not making it – I don't see any of the leaders that I've met so far that make it about them. It's about us, it's Mm -hmm. about the community, and it's about the the impact Mm -hmm. that we have on on humanity. Mm -hmm. And even the churches who are very different, Mm -hmm. I told you the story before we started, about for very unlikely churches working Mm -hmm. together on building building some platforms for people to connect. Mm -hmm. So... um, any, anything we haven't touched on at this interview? I think we've covered all, a lot of stuff. We have
1: and hopefully I haven't bored you too much. That's exciting?
0: <laughs> oh, I, I live here and, and, and you just gave away the secret of how good Lynchburg is. And we have a lot of history here. I live across the street from Fort Hurley. Mm-hmm. There was a Battle of Lynchburg here mm-hmm. and there's the Sandusky house there. One of Thomas Jefferson's homes is mm-hmm. is here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the monument terrace that those my wife and I trained going up those steps. That's the equivalent of eight floors.
1: That is, and you know, with monument, it is. It's very, <laughs> and everybody uses it often, uh, every day, every week. Uh, but also, it means a lot to our veteran community, and so we have a strong veteran community yes, here. Um, and I served in the Navy for a couple of years, so um, I enjoyed my time there, which which taught me that discipline. It taught me working together, the collaboration. Um, that's where I started my public relations work, if you will, and so it's just kind of continued from my early years as a teenager, um, young adult. But our veteran community here has met at the foot of Monument Terrace every Friday for over 350 weeks or so. It has it has been incredible. I think the last time I was there it was like 352 weeks. Several weeks have occurred gone by. Uh, but it was at the start of the war, um, and so the Iraq war. And to show uh, support for the troops, to show that home was still praying for you and still connecting and still um, caring about you, they began to meet every Friday at 12 from 12 to 1. Wow. Wow. And so, if you go out there, I was just, They're
0: there now, right they, now, they
1: were there, and they, they group up at the end, right at one o'clock, it's one hour. Um, But that community at the base of Monument Terrace, which is a recognition of all the previous wars and the persons who lost their lives, um, that type of every Friday for years, just meeting to support and show respect, um, is this community. And so they come from the other localities. You know, it's not just Lynchburg resident folks who are there. It is uh, veterans, Korean War veterans. It's Vietnam veterans. It's... um, folks who come home, that come down there and just know. Um, And that's the community that we we reference the faith leaders, but we also have a strong veteran community here. We may not be located near a base, uh, near an active duty base like a Norfolk or you know near the Pentagon, Northern Virginia, that sort of thing. But we have a lot of veterans in the community um, that just support several efforts. And um, they come together and it creates that, Um, that idea that we all care, we all collaborate, we all work together, and um, that's an example. When you brought up Monument Terrace, I just wanted to share with folks, you know, the commitment that individuals and organizations in our community have, Um, and and so we respect that, and we respect the work that they do, and um, everyone has something to contribute.
0: There's an anchor when you say we respect, this is an anchor in respect that really makes things work in a different way. Mm-hmm. As we're wrapping up this yes. really good interview, <laughs> okay. um, any particular thought, challenge, or, or tip that you'd like to give leaders? We have yeah. mostly not private leaders, but we have all kinds of people that listen to these and read right. the magazine. So what what thought would you like to leave with us?
1: I think um, be open to new experiences. Mm. Be open to working with new people. Um, everyone has a voice or background or an experience or a story that um, you can either glean something from or contribute toward the work you do. Um, You may be able to share your story or narrative with other people. And so um, when we do that and we open ourselves uh, for learning, we open ourselves for connecting with others and um, for the respect factor and listening, um, and then you'll see great things happen. You really will.
0: Very good words.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank, you. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank this is a, a live interview uh, for you folks on Facebook for the magazine, uh, next issue of the magazine, Nonprofit Performance 360, about mm-hmm. partnerships and collaboration, private, public. This is a whole community that's partnering. Mm-hmm. And you can find it at um, nonprofitperformance.org. Nonprofitperformance.org. Thank you so much for sharing these For anyone
1: who wants to come to Lynchburg, feel free to visit us. We love visitors and we'll roll out the red carpet for you. So welcome to Lynchburg.
0: Yay. Thanks for watching.